0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We all know that in these modern times, there are pressures on this generation that are causing all sorts of anxieties and depression. We often talk about effects on children or teenagers, marriages and workers, but what might be happening to the leaders in our local churches? We might not appreciate it if we're not so close to the ministry activity and decision-making practices in our local church, but pastors often carry a huge responsibility. It might appear that many pastors hide their own dark times while navigating a very high-pressure world. Blue Mountains-based pastor and author David Barter has written a new book. It's entitled A Better Way. He's been transparent, sharing his own emotional journey through anxiety, depression, and even burnout. Our opportunity today for an insight into the high pressure world that an increasing number of pastors face within ministry life. David Barter, a special welcome along to 2020. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me today. David, your book really is uh, its telling your own story or you're interweaving your own story into the way that you're discussing in your book called A Better Way. I wonder if we might start with your story because you've been dealing with bouts of depression for decades now. Yeah,
1: yeah, I have. So I've had a 27-year journey with uh, depression and anxiety started when I was a teenager. Um, you know, varying reasons why that started And uh, pressures from uh, my, my childhood and whatnot But here's uh, yeah, our 27-year journey through, through Trying to navigate that, learning how to find freedom from that uh, I think, um, you know, I, I became a Christian 18 years ago And uh, still struggling with all that Got into ministry, became a pastor um, I've been in ministry for about 16 years now um, All the way through, really struggled, really very difficult times with depression, anxiety, and, and really just pushing it away and trying not to show people that there was a weakness there. Um, you know, I've had I've had probably three major breakdowns that I can recall. One was lasted about a day, and I pushed it so deep that uh, I just pushed it down so deep and ignored it that it, it sort of went away for a couple of years. But after about two years, it reared its head again, and um, it was a my second breakdown would have been probably the most scariest moment of my life. Honestly, everything was uh, different. Within 24 hours, I went from being on the top of the world to, uh, you know, basically a complete and utter mess and broken and couldn't control anything or make decisions or I just lost the ability to to just do the normal things in life. Um, And that was a massive wake-up call to me to uh, really um, start to think about how am I going to deal with this situation that I've been ignoring for so long? So.
0: Well, David, you say you can identify a weakness there and uh, there might be some listeners who could have some thoughts on this as well because sometimes we think of uh, this vulnerability to some low times, uh, darkness, and we might say it's a weakness. And all of a sudden, uh, here you have written a book and you're potentially here going to influence thousands. And and there are thousands listening to our conversation and hearing your story today. So your weakness becomes the encouragement and the strength for people who might be facing similar things. So sometimes we think of weakness and uh, we think that that's the thing that, or maybe that's, you know, a bad thing. But there is a certain sense here And I'll get your reflection perhaps even as we go through our conversation that God uses our weaknesses and uh, they, in fact, become his strengths. So we'll think of that through our conversation today and I'll get your thoughts Mm. as we go. But in your own experience, the roller coaster of emotions, highs and lows, uh, overwhelming sadness, this was a part of your daily routine. And uh, and the challenging thing was that you were in Christian ministry and and in a leadership role. So that's not easy to deal with, is it, when you are in that? No, no,
1: definitely not. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of worry that goes along with that. If, if you were to tell people, um, what would people think? What would the church think? Um, how would they interact with you after they know? Uh, what would my board or my or elder elders think about this situation? Um, would I lose my credentials? Would I still have a job? There's a lot of crazy conversations you have with yourself, um, you know. To and it's all out of self-preservation because you don't, you know, you're not because this conversation isn't widely spread. You're not aware of just how much help is out there when you when you're going through it. Um, and I know I personally wasn't aware, so I was having a lot of fractured conversations about that. And, uh, you know, really concerned that if I did let this out of the bag, um, this could have a real detrimental impact on my future, and I may not get to do what I love doing, which is ministering to people, shepherding people, and preaching the Word of God. So um, I guess in in those times, you know, you have these conversations that are distracted, and and if you believe them long enough, you you tend to just deceive yourself into thinking, no, I can get through this, I'll make it through Um, But, you know, for me, it was how many wake up calls did I need before I was going to make the change and get the boldness to go, you know what, just put my hand up and say I need help. Um, And that would be my encouragement to the people listening today. You know, if you're struggling with this, it's just one conversation. Just break the silence around your world and speak up and ask somebody that
0: God has put people in your world that will help you. I imagine you try to put on a brave face and you've got responsibilities. You've got to be meeting with people. You've got to go through all sorts of administrative duties and you can't hide from everything. But I imagine you do try to hide uh, those dark times and perhaps in the personal sense in which you think you know your own emotions uh, how long it might last before you emerge from that is this the sort of thing mm. you find that uh, you know mm. these highs and lows ups and downs that that mm. that you you get a, a bit of an idea about what's happening to you and then you know all oh, in a, a day or two i'll be right or an hour or two i'll be right how does that work yeah. when you're when you're going through what you've been through yeah, yeah. so it's quite difficult i found um, high times of energy output would
1: then lead to really Really low times of depressive uh, seasons in my life. So, you know, if I um, ministered on Sunday, I would then basically be wiped out on a Monday. I don't know what the guys would experience, you know, the the energy depletion, but this went a bit a bit deeper than that. But it was a constant battle to uh, to continually, um, you know, cover that that weakness because I just felt like. Um, it was, you know, I had this. Um, I wrote in my book about really a Paul when he talks about the thorn in his side, and and in the book I talked about how, you know, for a while I tried to make this my spiritual achievement, and that uh, somehow I just had to tolerate and put up with this situation um, because that was just like Paul, you know, it was my it was my thing. I had to grin and bear, but uh, you know, I've started to realise that that that's not the case, and um, that yeah, we can have these weird spiritual ideas and weird ideas what that's all about, but reality is God wants us to have freedom and we have to start removing those masks and opening up about it. And, you know, it is difficult when you're going through depression and there is an expectation on you to turn up, to be involved, to be there in the moment with people, especially some people's situations are quite dire and, and desperate. And, uh, you know, and, and it's kind of like you can only push your own emotional state aside so many times before it's going to catch up with you. And, and really, when it does... If you you know you, you've you've it's going to explode. It's gonna it's going to be a mess. Um, so, but it, yeah, juggling those
0: situations can be pretty difficult. So this pursuit of uh, the freedom from you know some people call depression the black dog, or uh, yeah. you know you talk about issues like burnout uh, or having a breakdown, uh, being depressed. And sometimes that even leading to all sorts of moral failure, which I imagine uh, no doubt exacerbates uh, the issues that you're going through at the time. But while we're being very depressing about this, your book, A Better Way, actually lights a candle. It presents some hope here. And, uh, and I imagine that that's part of what you want to convey, that even if you've gone through some of these dark times, this is not the end. There is hope. How do you describe that?
1: Oh, well, hope, was, hope for me was found in in the uh, the revelation of who God really was. I struggled to understand who God was in those moments. Even though I was a pastor, there were certain things about God I just didn't understand and I didn't know. And, you know, when God revealed to me that he was my father and he started to talk to me about how a father interacts with a child, um, it it brought great freedom and, and it really broke open the recovery process of my life. And um, I remember it's just one night waking up at about 4 o'clock in the morning and uh, God I felt God impress on my heart this whole book, the whole outline, every chapter, every this the whole structure. I quickly grabbed my phone and wrote it down because he um he started to show me a, a, a progressive pathway forward of, of of being able to um come out of this darkness and out of this deep depression that I was experiencing. And um but it all really started with that encounter with God where he showed me that it was really important for me to understand who he was and how he was interacting with me. So I had a deep need on the inside for recognition and, uh, and and I lived in a performance culture. I wanted to be acknowledged. And that was all feeding into this, this weird kind of world of um, just, you know, performing and putting on this show uh, in my Christian faith. And, And until God really invaded that space and showed me that, that, you know, it wasn't my place to do that, but, he would, um, but to follow him and let him lead me into this recovery, and he brought certain people into my world, which really opened up the recovery process for me and uh, led me through this pathway, it started to show me um steps forward of how to deal with my past and resolve old uh, you know hurt and pain that had been buried for a long time and and uh, right down to the process of how to. Re-engage in the church environment and and the broader church environment and how to interact with other pastors and um, which I'd really disconnected myself from for a long time because of what I was experiencing. Um, yeah, so uh, you know it really just comes down to uh, walking this pathway of recovery that God has shown me, learning to let go of the past, let go of offence and bitterness, um, realizing there was a lot of hurt and pain from my childhood that I had to process. And God has really brought a, a, lot, a lot of hope out of that. And you know, like you said, even even today on this show, sharing my story, um, knowing that there are people listening that possibly could be struggling in the same boat, and realizing, and helping them realize, hopefully that that you know, it's this is not the end. This is the beginning for you, and um, you can get through it. It's possible. I have, and God has shown me a way forward, and He will show you a way forward as well.
0: In a sense, uh, there's a certain uh, focus that you've got. And of course, telling your own story of a pastor going through these times of anxiety and breakdown, uh, the idea that sometimes those who are not pastors uh, may benefit from this sort of story insofar as there's a typical way I suspect that a lot of people think of their pastor because a lot of people are immersed in their own difficulties and they think that the pastor is bulletproof and uh, that Mr. Perfection or Mrs. Perfection uh, up on the platform uh, behind the pulpit uh, has it all together in every moment. But that's not necessarily the case. You might shatter some people's ideal here, but, uh, but for ordinary people who are churchgoers, who think of their pastor and uh, they hold them in very high esteem, they think that they are bulletproof, uh, there is a message there for those people, isn't there? Uh,
1: definitely. Um, we're human like everybody else. We are all rowing in the same boat, if you like, and um, it's called life. And, uh, you know, if we don't look after ourselves properly and we're unaware of um, our own emotional state, any one of us, whether we're a pastor or a leader or just a congregational member, we're going to, we will fall over and we will have moments where, um, you know, things won't be so good. And, you know, I think I think it's a um, an image that needs to be shattered in the church that uh, pastors somehow are bulletproof and, um, you know, I I understand the respect and honor that comes to a pastor. And of course, I respect that myself and do that with my pastors. But um, I also understand that we are all in need of a savior and we're all in need of Christ in our life. And, um, you know, I, I feel for the pastors that, you know, and I was one of them that feels like you have to put on a facade in a church because you don't want to let people down. But I think if we can start this conversation around mental health in the church, because the reality is um, people don't fake mental health, they fake being okay. And that's what a lot of pastors do um, not everyone struggles with this, but there is a large majority. One in five people will experience some kind of depressive moment or depression in their lifetime. Now, if you take the population of Australia, that's somewhere in the realm of four million people in our country that um, are going to experience this, and, and a lot of those will be in our churches. Um, so it's it's a greater conversation than just the pastor. It's what about the people in the in the seats? What about the people hiding in our in our congregations that have not. Uh, haven't got the strength to speak up or don't know how to speak up. Um, so my my hope is that by sharing my story, that will empower others to start to, you know, reach out and maybe start sharing their story. And if that's, um, if that's the outcome and it shatters um, some perception around, our, around pastoring and, and being a pastor, then I think that's okay. I think it's healthy for the church to start and have this conversation and break the silence around it. So...
0: This is 2020 with Neil Johnson. Helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You can respond to that Facebook question today asking, do you think pastors need any special skills or support to handle the pressures of leading a church? Uh, You'll find that question at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Our special guest is Blue Mountains-based pastor and author David Barter. His new book is called A Better Way. David, when we talk about pastors and the idea of having these challenges with depression or burnout, uh, having these bouts of darkness in their lives... And the idea that there might even be a certain sense they might hide uh, because of what we were discussing as a fear of rejection. Let me come back to how people in the congregation view that, because oftentimes I think it's a very relational thing when people recognize that there are vulnerabilities in their leaders. So in Mm. your experience when you were able to get these things out in the open and say, hey, I've been struggling with this, what sort of response did you get from people who were in church life?
1: Yeah, look, it's it's, it's quite amazing, um, you know, because it was the opposite to what I thought. Uh, the support and the encouragement that I've received from uh, so many different Christians that I was leading and people that I've interacted with overnight since then has been um, astounding, even to the point of being able to, surface it in the church because I had the courage to speak about it um, others then put their hand up and said hey you know I've got a few struggles too and um, I, I think the average you know the average person the average Christian they they're going to be more of an encouragement than anything else and uh, it's just a, it's just I think there's a lot of um, just deception and and worry around breaking that silence in your life and and actually speaking up about it and uh, I just as soon as I started to find freedom for my world and started to get get free from this situation, that's when I started to speak. And I've made a real point now and a a commitment to be uh, a a mental health advocate in my my role in my church that I will, I refuse not to talk about it if it's needed to be talked about. Um, I'll put it out there, I'll talk about it, I talk about the emotional health, I talk about the battles and journeys that I've gone through, Um, you know, and just really start to make it common language and and a conversation that is accepted Um, And it's okay to talk about this stuff because, uh, you know, I've just made a real commitment to be that voice for those who can't. And, um, you know, even today's interview is the same. It's just to be on the radio, to be a voice for those who maybe can't find their voice in this area.
0: Wonderful stuff. You know, uh, there's all sorts of different levels, aren't there, of uh, mental Mm -hmm. health. And sometimes if you're going through some mental health challenges, they can be quite debilitating and you might not be able to perform your role at all. Uh, Other times Mm -hmm. you can perform your role. And some people might be thinking, well, what role does the church have? Because most pastors have some level of oversight or a denominational uh, accreditation that uh, puts you in charge of a church. The idea of having screening for people who are leading the churches – you know, uh, this is this is an interesting one, and I, I guess there's some vulner, there's some sensitivities and all of that. But but what are your thoughts for the churches? And uh, and you, some people might be thinking, well, why would the the church uh, give you that accreditation if uh, you were going to be uh, in some ways not able to fulfil your your task? And I imagine that's part of the reason why pastors will hide their own situations. What are your thoughts for churches and screening and those sorts of things? Yeah, look,
1: I think I think if we could, you know, screening of pastors is good, doing maybe a mental health analysis or check-up on, on pastors, sitting with, you know, psychologists, whatever it might be when you start off, um, would be a helpful process. Um, and, and, and I don't think it, you know, it always has to be a yes or no answer to whether someone goes into ministry or not, but more about an awareness of where you're at as a person. And if you do go into this role, um, you know what kind of supports will this person need, you know, and you know looking at people's personality profiles and um, these things are all going to help, but then you know we also can't take out of the picture that that God is able to heal and he's able to bring that freedom um i don't i don't I'm not a believer that that mental health is a disqualification from the from the church or from um, leadership in the church we see through the Bible that uh, there was many leaders in the Bible that experienced depressive moments and uh, elijah was one of them and uh, you know and there was moments in his life even Jesus himself um, you know found himself in a position where he come to the father and basically Lord can you take this cup from me he was he was stressed he was uh, and ultimately we you know he went on to to do the role that he was purposed to do by God which brought us salvation but um definitely I think there could be really some good value in um, looking at the process of how pastors come on board and uh, and what supports they would need uh, with with where they're at in life Of course there are uh, severe depressive or, or medical issues that um, would would stop people from moving into that direction but I think the general the general feel around depression and that is that it you know I don't think it should be a disqualify. It definitely needs to be dealt with. Um, and I think the only way it could disqualify someone is if they refuse to actually deal with the situation and uh, embrace help and treatment to to move forward. Um, but, yeah, definitely, I know in my own movement, they have put in place things that um, are uh, helping with pastors coming on to running churches and just making sure they're okay and checking up before they start out because I think it's a huge... Uh, it's a huge, it's a huge um, responsibility to be a pastor. And, and often when you come into the ministry, you don't have these problems. Um, I was a bit different, but uh, often it's the pressures that are in the ministry that start to wear down on you as you start to self-neglect and not look after yourself. Because, you know, the reality is as a pastor, the heart of a pastor is a shepherd. So our heart is to love and care for people and be there for people in those deep, dark moments and those moments of joy um, and celebration as well. And just encourage and help grow people in the Lord. And sometimes we can do that at our own detriment. And to have established uh, structure inside the church that would help you with that, uh, I'm a big advocate for uh, mentoring. And I think that mentoring needs to be established in the culture of of movements of churches and denominations. And, And I know there are some that have it. Um, but I think just working on that structure, to walk, have people walk alongside pastors, and their sole role is to make sure that the emotional, spiritual health for pastor is healthy.
0: And we certainly can't ignore the idea that uh, all of us, no matter what denomination we come from, will recognise that there are hierarchies involved. And... Uh for pastors, there's someone who's a little bit up the line who's got responsibility for a number of pastors, and oftentimes yeah. they are interested in the mental health. They are interested in the encouragement and the well-being of the pastor who is on the front line at uh, doing the work of ministry. And oftentimes, when pastors go to conferences, uh, a lot of those sorts of issues addressed will often come around these sorts of things: uh, how you're dealing mm-hmm. with those challenging times. So it's not that there are no mechanisms there, but it comes back then down to this sort of idea of the individual recognizing doing some sort of self assessment and recognizing yeah. that you need help and uh, and that's one of the challenges david that that idea yeah. of saying okay i'm i'm under the weight here i've got to say to someone i need help and is that the hardest thing to do
1: i i, I think so yeah and i think it's because um you know we do have those worries about what what will happen what will be said uh, will this will this be detrimental to my future? Um, you know, it's, it's 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 a difficult thing to have because there's a lot of lies that go on in our mind at the same time when we're not talking about it. So we, and if we're not speaking about it, we're not getting contrast and we need contrast for truth. We need someone to speak to us and say, listen, I don't know if that's actually true. I think you can open up about this and you can get help and still maintain, you know, what God's got you doing. Um, you may just need to take a break or whatever, but you 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 know it's not the end, it's not the the finishing line here. This is this is the beginning of a recovery, and God can now do things. Um, I think being in um, you know, if we don't open up, we we're, we're stuck in a cycle of just having conversations with ourselves and the influence of the of the devil, of course, speaking into our minds, trying to convince us as well that that we shouldn't open up because obviously his goal is destruction and he wants to destroy our lives. So. Um, but it is hard to break that silence it 's uh, one you know it 's not like you can just tell anybody it, it, you really need to find someone that is trusted in your world um, someone that you trust and, and it, you know it could be your spouse, it could be another friend or a pastor or a leader in your world or it, you know it could be your doctor i don 't it doesn 't really matter who it is it's, so long as you have a they're a safe person that you can trust and uh, and it only takes one conversation to uh to that person which can really break open your recovery process and help you start getting on the right track to finding freedom. Um, but, yeah, no, it isn't It isn't an easy task because it takes a lot of courage and faith to actually speak up and say, hey, I need some help. You know, it's kind of like being
0: in the ocean and you're drowning, but you're not willing to lift up your hand. David, let's take a call from a listener uh, before we get underway and uh, take things a little deeper, Narelle is in Gordonvale in Queensland. Hello, Narelle. Thanks for waiting so patiently.
2: Hello. That's okay. Um, I just um, I see the need here yeah, for because there's a lot of falling down of of leadership, and that brings me to the question: Is many are called, but few are chosen? We can we can be appointed, but are we anointed by God? Um, because only the
0: truth is ask God first and that's it. Well, Narelle, uh, interesting insight there in that question uh, that might bring up uh, that idea that we mentioned a little while ago. Sometimes we think the pastor ought to be bulletproof and uh, and sometimes actually it's encouraging that they're not. But let's get a thought or two that's, from David. David
3: All I wanted to say too
2: is that with um with the pastor being so um, battered in, in the battle of the for glory, um um they get so depleted that the flock end up following the the shepherd, and next minute the flock is down with the shepherd. You know that's what I mean.
0: All right, Narelle. Yep. Let's get a thought or two from David. David, your thoughts for Narelle? Yeah, definitely Narelle. I think. Um yeah, we, we as pastors, as ministers
1: can get depleted and, uh, you know, it's, it's all about learning, obviously, to, to know where your own spiritual life is at, but also where your own emotional life is at. Um, I found for myself that I just had an inability to read my own emotional life um, and I didn't I didn't recognize the signs that I needed to recognize to address it before it became a problem. Um, because emotional intelligence takes time to learn, it's not something... Um, you know, it's not, it's not something we just pick up and uh, uh, just because we're in ministry, we somehow are aware of it um, because, you know, we've all lived our life and have had our ups and downs and a lot of emotional intelligence comes out of experience and a willingness to embrace the lessons that are there. But, um, yes, well, I think we do need to be careful as pastors if we are going through this that we, um, that, that we can easily impact the church in a negative way if we're not careful. Um, and, you know, fortunately for me, I had... Ended up having the right people around me that could help me with that, um, and I do think the churches are more, more versatile sometimes than we think, and are more flexible and able to embrace that their pastors do need help as well. Um, but yeah, very good point. I think the calling of God is 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 a is a big thing, and and the anointing of God is important. And uh, but I also think you know we need to be aware of our emotional health um, and
0: be on top of that. So. Wonderful to hear from you. Thank you so much for your call, Narelle. 1-800-316-316 if you want to join in our conversation. The idea of times of refreshing, David, Uh, there might be some signs that you could pick up on if you are an ordinary churchgoer in church life, part of a congregation uh, you might note if your pastor never has a holiday, or if they just seem to be working at such a high level all the time that somehow or other you know that that's not necessarily sustainable. Are there some things that you might be able to identify and perhaps uh, even step in and be a support, be a help, uh, to be an encouragement, maybe even to fund the, a weekend away or whatever uh, for your pastor? Times of refreshing are important here. What you what would you look for if uh, if you were looking to support your pastor?
1: Oh, I think I think a big one is the recognition of like, hey, he hasn't had a break. Um, how many Sundays has your pastor spent in church? Um, because I think that's a telltale sign on um, on whether he's had a break or not. If he's there every Sunday of the year, then you know, um, if you're in a congregational member or a leader in the church or a board member, you could um, recognize that. And that'll be a telltale sign to say, hey, something's not right here. We need to make sure that our pastors are, are getting getting rest and help, um, you know, maybe even simple things like um, just as congregation respecting that, say, a Saturday or a Monday is the pastor's day to to have off and uh, and not to call on those days or not to, uh, you know, just maybe put the call off to the next day or something like that if it's needed. Um, and uh, just, I think just little things like that is, is a major help. Um so there's little distractions when the pastor does get time off that are contended pull him away from resting or or spending time with the Lord and um I, I think yeah if we can just all you know and I do this without my pastor as well. I'm a pastor but I also have a pastor and I, I um I try to look out for him as much as I can and and uh and you know if I realize think something's you know not happening I'll have a chat with him, so how are you going? Um, I think just asking those questions, how are you? How's your family? Is there anything you need? Um, are you getting enough rest? I just maybe we don't ask the questions enough or um, because you know, like you said before, Neil, um, pastors can seem to look bulletproof, and 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 we 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 we're very good at um, you know presenting to do what we need to do. And uh, sometimes I think just having people around you in the church just to you know give you some encouragement
0: and some support sometimes is really helpful. You know, what comes to mind and uh, just mindful that there's lots of people listening to our conversation today, David, Uh, in smaller country towns, uh, rural communities, uh, people in the big cities too, listening to our conversation, but some people in those smaller country towns, and I'm just mindful that sometimes uh, the pastor has some under shepherds uh, people who carry that weight of responsibility in caring for some of the challenging things that are going on in church life, in the families, in the lives of individuals. But in rural communities, oftentimes there's just one leader and they carry the weight of all of that together. And so is there, do you think, a particular vulnerability for people who are in, uh, in smaller communities where there is only one leader, one pastor in charge?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that, that goes beyond smaller community. I think that's small church in itself, um, churches that are smaller tend to only have one pastor. Um, and I think as a pastor in a situation like that, just having healthy boundaries is health, really helpful. Just to make sure that you do get the time that you need with your family, with your marriage, um, you know, to have that downtime, that rest time, that, that Sabbath time, you um, yeah, and, but I also think it's an education of the church that, that that the church and the pastors, the leadership work together to resolve some of these issues and and have those conversations. Once again, I think a lot of it comes out of um, just not talking about it, not communicating, and not sort of finding a healthy way forward that will work for everybody. Um, so, and I think I think that is I, my heart goes off to the small church pastor in in the in those communities that you know can sometimes. Often be run off off their feet because you know there's a lot of responsibility in a in a in a large area um, that he may be looking after. Um, but I would encourage a pastor like that to to just think through and uh, put in some good boundaries um, and communicate those boundaries in a good way to help people understand. You know that, that there's boundaries for a reason. So.
0: Taking calls one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen to join in our conversation today. Let's hear from David in Perth. Hello, David. Welcome along. Yes, good morning, to both of you. I hope you're feeling well this morning. Very well, David. What are your thoughts for our conversation?
1: Two points. Um, I came from a very uh, difficult situation in a, a mega church in Queensland, Mansfield. Um, their pastor had been caught for. Um, infidelity with his secretary. Um, That sort of filtered down through all the um, oversight and uh, a part of the Bible College. And um, I was in the Bible College and they um, sort of didn't allow people to get married because of this. Um, It sort of had some sort of onward effect. And so um, there was some very serious problems uh, with these um, decisions, because of their pastor who had committed these sort of um, uh, david you
0: 're getting into uh, some uh, yes. some more personal things and aligning those with a church. I think the point we could pick up on here though is. Uh, that when there are churches and when there are some issues, uh, and uh, I think you're referring more here to moral failure, which may have a connection to some mental health issues, and more than likely there is some sort of connection with the pressures in there. Uh, But your thoughts here, David, for uh, the David who's in Perth, about what happens when there is... Uh, when these things go unattended, and if there are things that are allowed to get out of control, it does affect the broader congregation, and it can actually cause some people to lose their faith. What are your thoughts here, yeah. David? Yeah, well, firstly, I just want to say I'm really sorry
1: you've experienced that, David, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing to have to walk through and experience. Um, and unfortunately, this is a story that goes on and on, isn't it, um, in church life? Uh, but I think remembering that, that, that we're all human, and uh, it doesn't justify that behavior at all. That's not, that's, that's not right. It's, it's ungodly and it should be dealt with. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it can be very detrimental to the church. And, you know, we hear stories all the time of churches that go through these situations and um, it's detrimental. And a lot of this comes down to uh, just an ignorance or, or a, a not understanding, the pastor not understanding their own emotional health. There was a point, obviously, in these people's lives where they had to make a decision to step into um, doing the wrong thing or, or to step away from it and, and to give into temptation or to, or to resist it. And, uh, you know, um, I think that's where self-reflection and learning to um, be emotionally healthy comes into play um, because, you know, sadly, some of these guys might... I, I feel for some of the, the guys that have done this as well um, because, you know, they, they have... And, and often a lot of them feel later just how much damage they've done in their own life and, and not to mention even the damage it's done to other people. And, and it's a heartbreaking experience to see um, and one that obviously on my heart, and hopefully what I can do through what I've written and, 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 and the application that I'm doing for mental health and just getting involved in can help some of these people that maybe are at the beginning of this stage of struggling with this to be able to really turn a corner away from it and you know um hopefully i can be a positive influence in that arena so
0: thank you so much to david in perth for your call 1-800-316-316 let's continue to take some calls jane also in wa in bunbury hello jane welcome good morning how are you very well jane what are your thoughts for our conversation
3: Uh, The first thing that came to mind when I was listening to the conversation was um, the old-fashioned teaching that we used to have back in the 80s and 90s to do with the five-fold ministry. And I feel that from what I've seen and observed in um, several churches as I've moved around Australia, is that the problem that we had back um, during, say, the late 90s and everything was that the pastor was given the sole responsibility of running a a church and we were missing out on what we were being taught, you know, from scripture, um, the fivefold ministry, which included the teacher, the prophet, the apostle, uh, pastor and evangelist. And I saw quite a lot in, especially in the rural small towns, as David was mentioning, the pastor was taking on all those roles. And I felt that that's where a lot of problems perhaps stem from, the burnout, Whereas they weren't really giving opportunity for other members in the congregation who had giftings to be a teacher or, you know, the um, evangelists and things like that so that they could be raised up. You've got your um, elders, um, churches would elect elders that could help uh, in those areas. And I think sharing that responsibility is, is very important and recognising the giftings that God has given um, members of the congregation that uh, can be used.
0: Jane, good thoughts here. A thought or two from David. Yeah,
1: I think you know, obviously, spreading that load the way God designed it to be spread in the church is uh, is really important. And um, you know, I think um, as pastors, we can sometimes we can we can it takes us a bit of time to realise who's got those giftings and who hasn't. But uh, I know one thing for me, I've been really intentional to try and build. A pastoral team of people that can carry the load of the church with me, um, and you know there are people that are there that are gifted in certain areas. Then uh, working with them to to release them into that ministry is is of course going to help um, the load on the
0: pastor to uh, to carry the church forward. Um, so yeah, no great valuable um, input there. Good thoughts, Jane, because uh, every pastor has that desire to grow a church to a point of maturity where others do share the load. And uh, that's a challenging thing in itself. And that can create uh, pressures when people are resistant to growing to a level of maturity. But, Jane, thank you so much for your call. Let's continue to take calls. Melinda is calling from Warwick in Queensland. Hello, Melinda. Welcome.
2: Hi, how are you?
0: Well, Melinda, what are your thoughts?
2: Um I know that um in when you're I've been in many different churches. I've been a Christian for a very long time. And I've been through many churches, big ones and small community churches. Um I know of many pastors that uh used to experience this it was more like a job and it's a high pressure job and they have to juggle their family life. There a lot of pastors I know are working still. They've got a work life, a family life, and they're they're pastoring a a church family. And I've got... Because I come in from childcare kind of background, we always say it takes a community, it takes a whole village to raise a child. It also takes a whole church village to raise the church village, to raise the child, the bride of Christ. And um, I know that... um, if the pastors are uh, in a small town, um, yeah, they can experience a lot of pressure. But um, it's enabling them to take that break, take their family on a holiday, um, have people being able to trust. They've got to learn to trust others in their church that they're pastoring and hand on those, some of those things to like um, spread the load basically. Sorry. Absolutely
0: right, Melinda. And uh, it's like a pastor has to be the jack of all trades and uh, almost uh, literally uh, jack of all trades when you're talking about being the leader, being the theological guide, the preacher, the administrator, oftentimes the property developer uh, and maintainer. Uh, those sorts of things really, really challenging and there is very high pressure on so many pastors. Uh, David, your thoughts for Melinda? Yeah, you're completely right. Um, you know, the, I think the problem is in this, and,
1: and I don't know, like maybe in history has been like this too, but especially in this day and age, there's a huge expectation on the pastor to be able to cover multiple roles. And if you even just take the one role of compliance, um, so you're talking about child protection and safety and all that kind of stuff in the church, it is a beast of its own. Um, and, you know, in a small town community where there's, you know, one pastor running a church, trying to manage, make sure the church is compliant, with legislation to make sure our children are safe and you know that all the things fall into place so that the church can operate correctly it is a big task and um i remember in my first church having to deal with all that and and it was overwhelming um trying to stay on top of all that stuff and it's so
0: important that we find people in our churches that can help us um in those areas Melinda, thank you so much for your call and just to acknowledge some of the responses on Facebook today uh, where the question I'm asking is, do you think pastors need any special skills or support to handle the pressures of leading a church? Uh, Trent says, due to governance requirements around laws, finances, fraud, a pastor not only needs to be a, have a theological degree but they need qualifications in business and finance. Churches need to be registered as an entity, which means ACNC and other compliance matters need to be addressed. Add this to child protection like blue cards and uh, workplace safety. Don't get me wrong, God is the centre and the biggest help for a pastor, but they need a team of qualified people around them helping to make the wise decisions. Is it any wonder there, there are pressures on pastors? And uh, for those who might be a little old school, remembering... Church from the old days uh, those things are no longer with us there's a whole lot more pressure on pastors today your thoughts for uh, for those sorts of things that Trent is highlighting yeah well totally true and I
1: appreciate that that message actually it's very true that the pressures are, uh, are mounting and there seems to change every year more and more compliance more and more expectation around you know, making sure financial deals, situations are dealt with properly. And on top of all that's the preaching, the pastoring, the actual ministry of the church, which the pastor is actually called to. Um, often pastors come into the role and they're not they're not expecting to be called to administration. They're, they're, their heart is to minister and love people and reach people for Christ. So um, it seems to be a
0: bit of a byproduct of the role that we have to, you know, have to deal with. So. Uh, time is running out. Uh, look, if we're coming back to uh, the sort of, Primary thing that you would love to communicate to listeners today, David, uh, your book, yep. it's called A Better Way. You're telling your own story. It's been an emotional roller coaster the depression, the challenges, the breakdowns, uh, what people might need to understand, and how they can actually implement or make sure that that hope that they have within them uh, isn't extinguished because uh, you're still valuable and could go on to do great things. What's the thing that you'd love to leave with listeners? If I could leave one thing with the listeners
1: today, it would be simply to break the silence and start the conversation at all levels in the church. Let's start having this conversation on a more regular basis. For some places, it's already happening. For others, it's not, and it needs to. Um, My heart is to see this conversation go around our country uh, and wherever else it may need to go to, to really start to get to highlight The struggle that people are going through, and to value, um, you know, like one, the the one, and the top three needs in the church at the moment. One of them is actually mental health, and um, so there's a lot of need out there. um, But there just need, I feel, there needs to be more
0: conversations happening and starting to help people find the help that they need. Well, the local church is still the way God puts a stake in the ground and says this is kingdom property and uh, there's going to be leaders who are going to be raised up and perhaps generation after generation of leaders who are going to be needed to reinforce uh, the issues around what we're talking about today. And uh, we take your point, David Barter, break the silence. And you're expressing that in your new book, it's called A Better Way, and there might be listeners who are thinking, I need to get that book. I need to get that book for my pastor. Uh, you might want to do that and get a hold of it. Well, it's available from places like Kurong or you can simply Google David Barter, A Better Way, and you'll find how you can access that book on Amazon. Or you can find David Barter's social media accounts. So find David Barter on Facebook and there'll be a way that you can link to get a hold of his book. It's called A Better Way. David is at present a campus pastor at the New Hope Church in the Blue Mountains. There is a website there for his church. It's called 3newhope.com.au. David Barter, just great getting your insights today. Thanks so much for being so vulnerable and so open and uh, to letting us all into your world. Really appreciate your insights today on 2020. Yes, yeah, thank you, Neil.
3: Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media.
1: To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.